Perashat Vayeshev discusses the story of Yosef and his brothers. The Perashat begins off by telling us as follows, how Yosef had this little bit of a sibling rivalry with his brothers. And the Pasuk tells us that Yaakov Avinu sends Yosef to go find his brothers. The Pasuk tells us over here, Vayimtsa'ehu Ish. He's walking in the street. He's walking. He's looking for his brother. He finds a man. This guy is surround, walking around, pacing in the field. He asks the man, The man asks Yosef, what are you looking for? Right? And then Yosef goes on to respond, Listen, I'm looking for my brothers. And this man, this Ish, goes on to give him directions of how to go find his brothers. This Ish was not an Ish. As we know, brought down this ish was really a malach. It was malach Gabriel guiding Yosef where to go. But what's interesting is that now we have two parashiot in a row. Last week's parasha spoke about how Yaakov Avinu met up with an ish, met up with a man, and that man, like in our class, like we said last week, was not just an ordinary man. It really was Sarah Shel Shel Esav. It was Esav's angel. So last week's ish was angel. This week's ish was also angel. But there's one very fine difference, Joe, between the two angels that we find in both of these Pesukim. Last week's Ish was a bad angel. This week's Ish is Malach Gabriel, it's a good angel. How did Hachamim know that? How did they know that the one last week, when it said Ish, Zera was bad. And this one was good. But again... So again, how did they learn to differentiate that that ish was bad and this ish was good? So you're right, he fought Yaakov, and maybe he was supposed to. But does it make a person bad or make something wrong because he's doing what you don't want? So again, how did we know that? You never find in the Pesukim that it says Esav. Achamim came and told us, by the way, he fought Yaakov, it was Saroshel Esav. How do we know? How do you know that this ish is good versus the ish last week? So I saw I brought down something really beautiful, Freddie. It says as follows. At the end of last week's encounter, Yaakov Avinu asks this sad, asks this officer, for a bera, asks this angel for a beracha. What did the angel answer? He says, I can't. He says, I don't have time to give you a beracha. As you know, it's already alot shahar. I have to go give shirat Kadosh Baruch Hu. He says, when someone is in, two, says the Devre Hayim, he brings this down, he says, when someone is in too big of a rush to go serve Hashem, this person, right, and doesn't have the time to go help somebody, he says this person is automatically a bad angel. If you don't have the means, even when you're going to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to stop to give someone help, right, yeah. then already even you're, on the, e- even, you're already on the bad, wrong path. It's already a problem. Your job is to be focusing, looking for somebody else, to be there to be help someone else. Masha'enken in Parashat Vayeshev, when it comes over here, when Yosef meets up with this Ish, what does the Ish asks him? The man, the angel, comes up to Yosef and says, What's up? What can I do for you? Where, why are you lost? Why are you just walking around? What's going on over here? He was helping him find his way. And from the fact that he was looking out for the benefit of Yosef, who knows where the Malach was going. But he saw someone lost looking to help him and guide him. That already shows us that this person or this thing is a good angel. The Ramban tells us over here on this Pasuk something really, really fascinating. And it's really an idea that every single person can live with. And his words are, emet cheker. What does that mean? He says that Hashem's decree is true, and man's diligence is false. The famous concept, famous pasuk in Tehilim, 
Rabot machshavot belev ish v'atzat Hashem hitakum is what? That we can sit all day and plan. We can figure it out. We can have an idea what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, how we're going to do it, where is it going to go, what's going to be. But at the end of the day, atzat Hashem hitakum, the way of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is what's going to work. What does that mean? The Ramban tells us as follows. Yosef was lost, right? He was lost without any direction. He didn't have a map. He didn't have any clue of where he was going. And if not for Gabriel, what would have happened? Let's say Yosef would not have found that angel walking around Venice. What would have happened? Yosef would walk around, not find his brothers, go back home, tell Yaakov Avinu, that I tried, I couldn't find him. I went out, I went to find my brothers, and it didn't work. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu needed Yosef to find him. He needed Yosef to find his brothers. So therefore, he placed Gabriel on the road. And Yosef meets Gabriel, and Gabriel directs Yosef into the, I guess, right direction, which ended up happening that Yosef met his brothers. His brothers decided to, to figure out what to do with him, because they had issues with him. They had their rivalry with him. They felt he was trying to make themselves make himself a ruler over them. So they sentenced him to death. They ended up not killing him. They ended up selling him, right? Which ended up being that he was the king of Mitzrayim, which eventually led to Shibut Mitzrayim. Again, one more time. Shibut Mitzrayim was, Yosef HaTzadik was the king. Yaakov goes down with all his children after the whole story takes place. Then Bnei Yisrael is there for a few hundred years. Then Paro comes and tries to wipe them out and kill them and destroy them, do whatever he can and torture them. Then Moshe Rabbeinu comes along. He performs all the miracles, takes them out, and now we are Amsegula. That all had to happen. And if Gabriel was not there, it never would have happened. He never would have found his brothers. Uh-huh. And never would have found his brothers. They never would have ended up selling him. So imagine, says the Ramban, this amazing concept. What happened? It had to be that Yosef got there. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants something to happen, it's going to happen. That's what Abot Mahshavot Belev Ish Hashem means. That we figured, we thought we're going to do, we're going to have to be, we thought we figured it out. Not necessarily did we figure out. We have no idea where we're going, what we're doing, what's going to be, but there is a plan in place. They say a story once about Rav Gifter. Rav Gifter was the Rosh Hashiva in Cleveland. And one of his students was getting married. And him and a group of students, on the day of the wedding, went to fly to go to this wedding. I believe it was going to be in Baltimore, Maryland, if my memory serves me correct. And on the way to the wedding, they had a stopover wherever it was. And then the weather was bad. The weather was bad. It didn't. We couldn't get off. Couldn't. They were waiting in the airport for hours. And while they were waiting over there, some guy comes up to them and says to them, they were praying Albit. They wanted to make a minyan in the airport. A guy comes up to them, asks them, Could we say, can I say Kaddish? They looked at him. He was an airport worker. Guy that worked in the airport. And... They looked at him, sure, they helped him, they put a kippah on his head, whatever it is, they helped him say Kaddish, the guy said Kaddish. When he finished saying Kaddish, he turns to him and says, you don't understand what happened, my father died a few weeks ago, and my father came to me in a dream asking me to say Kaddish for him, and I said, I don't have a minyan, I don't have to find a minyan, how am I going to get a minyan? So, my father told me in the dream, I'm going to send you a minyan. And now I'm here in the airport, I come to work and I see you guys, right? So I realized that God sent me, my father sent me the minyan, and now I'm here to say Kaddish. And that was his story, and the guy left. A few minutes later, of Gifter went back to the counter. They told him that the flight to the wedding was canceled. They were never making it to the wedding. He turned to his students and says, do you know what happened? 
We woke up this morning thinking we were going to a wedding. Hashem saw when we woke up this morning, he says, you think you're going to a wedding? Oh no, you're going to give this guy a minyan so he could say Kaddish. That's what it means. We have no idea what we're doing. We have no idea where we're going. We have no idea anything. A person could plan his whole life. But if Hashem wants something to happen, and Hashem wants something else to happen, that is what's going to happen. And that's the words of the Ramban. That means the decree of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is emet, is truth, and my diligence, breathless. What I figured out, what I planned, this can never be, it's never going to happen. In fact, you see this idea throughout the parasha. The same idea throughout the Torah and the same, same idea is throughout Jewish history. But specifically in this week's parasha, you see it. Why? As we know, towards the end of the parasha, Yosef HaTzadik ends up in jail. He ends up in jail. He refused to be seduced by the wife of Potiphar. While he's in jail, the Pesukim tell us, that there is two officers of Paro, they end up in jail. What did these officers do? One of them was the Saramashkim jail. What does that mean? His job was to go bring the king what to drink, wine, whatever it was, and a fly got into the cup's wine, to the king's wine. King's cup, the king's wine. He gets thrown in jail. The other guy is the baker. He didn't grind up the wheat, whatever it was, properly, and there was a rock went in there, and the king put him in jail. And both of them are in jail. And the Pasuk tells us that they both had a dream. They both had a dream. One's dream was, the Sarah Mashkim, the cupbearer's dream was, that, what? These are regular Mishim? These are regular officers of the king. One, the cupbearer's dream is, that what? That he had a dream, that he's back squeezing grapes into the king's cup. The other guy's dream was, that he's standing, that he has baskets on his head full of bread, and the birds are coming and eating it. Pasuk tells us they wake up in the morning all very, very, very confused. Pasuk tells us over here, if you look at the way the Pesukim go and describe what happens. Pasuk tells us that, what did Yosef HaTzadik tell him? He says them to them, what? They see that they all, they're all confused. He asks the officers of Paro, what's going on? They tell us we had dreams and we don't know what it means. So Yosef responds, tell me, I'll tell you. So they went, they told him the dreams. What does Yosef HaTzadik respond? He says as follows. He says, The three that he keeps saying, three baskets or three clusters of grapes, refers to three days. He says as follows. In three days, He tells the cupbearer, the king is going to go and he's going to take you out of here. He's going to put the cup of paro back in your hand. Kamishpat harishon like it used to be. Asher ayita mashkeo like you used to do. Ki im zechartani, for if you remember me, itecha with you, kasher itavlach, vasitanai madi hasid vizkartani ila paro vatsaitani min abaytazer. He says to him, if you remember me, there's good that I did for you, that you do this kindness, remind me, remember me when you go in front of paro. And the obvious question over here is, the words of Yosef, don't really add up. Why don't the words of Yosef add up? They don't add up because his lashon is that Paro is going to put you back like it was. Obviously, if he's giving you back your job, he's giving you like back the way it was. What is this lashon of kamishpat harishon? What does it mean? So Rashi explains that when it says ki'im zechartani, not if 
you will remember me. Ki'im over here means, so that you will remember me. So what does that mean? Says Rashi, that you're going to have your job back like it was, so that now you will go and remember me when you go in front of Pat'ah. What's the point? What's the Nekudah? The Nekudah is as follows. You see, this guy was very, very nervous. He was very, very nervous. The Sarah Mashkim, he heard the news that he's getting back his job. He was not excited. You know why? Because he's thinking to himself, I'm near death. I could get killed now. But I'm getting my job back. You know what that means, Albert? It means that if I breathe the wrong way, I'm dead. I'm scared out of my wits. I'm scared out of my wits. Says Rabbi Kiri Eger on this pasuk, he says, no, you don't understand that when he was upset, what did Yosef tell him? Yosef said, Kamishpat Harishon, you're going to get back your job like it was, like it was when you were never nervous the last 10, 20 years, I don't know how many years you have it. You were cool, calm and collected and everything was great. You were never nervous. That is going to happen now. You're going to get back your job and you're not going to be nervous. You're not going to be worried. You're not going to be afraid. You're going to ruin it. Why? The only reason why you're here is so that you mentioned me to Paroh. You want to know why you messed up the first time? Because Hashem put you here. You want to know why? Because now you met me. And you know what's going to happen now? Now you're going to go to Paroh and tell Paroh, by the way, when you have a dream Paroh, there's this guy in jail, some Jew by the name of Yosef. He knew how to translate my dream exactly and you're going to tell it to him. That's what Yosef HaTzadik was telling him. Yosef was telling him, you're nervous that you're going to mess up. There's nothing to be nervous about. Because you didn't mess up. God put you here. God made you mess up. Why? Because there was a reason. Why? Because there was a purpose. What was the reason? What was the purpose? The reason and the purpose was that me and you should meet. Me and you are going to meet up. And we're going to have this conversation. And you're going to get out of this prison one day and you're going to go back to Paro and Paro is going to give you back your job and you'll be perfect. And then in two years from now, Paro is going to have a dream. Cows, small cows, big cows swallowing each other, which we're going to read about in next week's parasha. They're going to have stalks swallowing each other. A lot's going to happen. And you're going to stop him and say, oh, I know how to help you, Paro. There's a guy by the name of Yosef. So you are here, not ki'im zechartani, if you will remember me. Ki'im zechartani is so that you will remember me. You will remember me because that's why Hashem put you here. That's the purpose. And that's what it means, ha'gezerat emet. This is what Yosef HaTzadik was telling him. This is fact. There are no coincidences in Judaism. Everything is, goes according to the plan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, every single day, every single moment of every single time, every day that we're around in this world. Everything is down to exactly the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it. And this is, if you look through history, how many things just looked ironic? How many things just looked coincidence? It was no coincidence that the person that pulled Moshe Rabbeinu out of the water, the decree was on all the children being in the water, by who? By Paro. Who pulls Moshe out? Paro's daughter. Who's the one that executes Haman? Gets Haman killed? Esther Hamanka. Imagine, he's sitting, Haman is working his whole life, trying to eradicate the Jews, making decree after decree. He had no idea that the king's wife is Jewish, and she's the one that pulls the carpet out from under him. Hashem planted the whole thing. It wasn't just to so happen to be. In our history, in, our, in Judaism, there are no ironies, there's no coincidences. At the end of the day, 
הגזירה האמת, וגזירה הקדוש ברוך הוא, is truth. That's what will be, והחריצות, plans, whatever we do, diligence of men, sheket is all false. I want to end off with a story, if I can, just to bring out this point. The Gemara tells us that the people one time came to David HaMelech, and they were worried about Panasa. <coughs> they worried how they're going to make Panasa. So David HaMelech told them, Lechu vid panesu zemize. Go make money off each other. David HaMelech was not pushing them off, saying, get out of here, it's not my business, go make money. He was telling them that Klal Yisrael has the means to take care of each other when it comes to Panasah. We could sit and we could work and we can figure these things out. People are struggling. Business can be based how we want it to be through us networking within each other. There was a guy, an Ashkenazi guy. His name was Duvi Honig. This Duvi Honig learned this Gemara, talks about David HaMelech, and he decided to create something called the Parnassah Network. When you're finished, you could go Google it, you could find it online. What did he do? He created where they have an expo every single year where people come, different areas, show their business, people that are looking for jobs, people are looking for ideas, people that are looking to grow, come there, and it's, it's a show for two days. They usually do it at one of these convention centers here on the East Coast in New Jersey. And many, many people have been helped. They say over 18,000 people have been helped from, since he launched this program. Since he launched this thing, people have gotten jobs, people have found careers, people have gone pursued bigger, bigger ideas, bigger expectations, all because there's just what's out there of networking in the Jewish community at large of people doing it. And people come from all over. They make this expo every single year. It's a two-day thing, so everybody stays in hotels, whatever it is. And many people come from all around the world, specifically around America, just to try to network with other communities, other people in the business world, whether it's the medical world, whether it's the finance world, whatever the case is. This is what goes on. In 2014, they had their expo booked for February 4th and 5th. February 4th and 5th, it was booked. And I, well, it was not the Super Bowl time, but February 4th and 5th, it was booked, right? February 4th, maybe it was, but the Super Bowl was not really over here. Anyway, in February 4th and 5th, it was booked right here in one of these, expo, one of these convention centers here on New Jersey, right off the turnpike, right here. Anyway, when something like this happens, there's months of work going in because all companies have to register you set up your booth, you pay per booth, you rent your thing. People are booking flights. People are booking, you know, different areas, hotels, or whatever the case is. Everybody's coming from all over the place. There's a lot going on. There's a lot, a lot, a lot going on. And you have to put out ads, and you have to have understandings, and you have different workshops, different programs. This is all going on two days. It's months and months of work and planning and scheduling and things, and everything has to work. About a month before... This thing was supposed to take place. This guy, Duvi Hona, gets a phone call from the convention center saying, we're canceling on you. I said, what? He says, yeah, we're canceling on you. Why are you canceling on us? We're canceling on you because we made a mistake. We're double booked. What does that mean, we're double booked? We didn't really double book. We told you it was empty, and it was. But every single year for the last 20 years, we have a furniture expo that takes place. And this year... They weren't going to have it. They weren't sure what they were doing. So the dates were open and we gave it to you. Now they're calling us and saying, no, they want to do it. And I'm sorry, we don't want to lose their business. We want to give it to them. You're welcome to reschedule to whenever you want. 
But February 4th and 5th, I'm sorry, that's the dates they're getting first priority over you because they're a lock for us. So he really didn't have a choice. And he's thinking to himself, this is insane. How much work has to go into this now? Right? It's a month before, whatever it is. Back on the phone. Now you have to contact all the people, all the vendors. Some of the vendors, well, first you have to find a new date. Right? First they have to tell it's canceled. Then they have to find a new date. They found a new date. They decided they're going to do it at some point in March. And, and now he's thinking to himself, you know, it's going to work. It's not going to work. It's a little <laughs> bit later. It's not going to happen. Whatever the case is. And he's thinking to himself, yeah, no, could be, should be, would do it. Contacts all the vendors. Some of the vendors can't make it anymore because the dates don't work. So now there's new vendors that want to come. So you have to replace this. Hundreds and hundreds of people that have to change their flights, hotels. It's crazy. They had brochures already printed up. It's all in the garbage. You have to reprint everything, redo the whole programming. Did it. February fourth and fifth of 2014, there was a massive blizzard that struck the East Coast. That furniture expo was a bust. No one ended up showing up. Is that the one that paralyzed everything? Everything. The entire New Jersey was paralyzed. There was nothing going on. 12,000 flights. 2014? Yes. Guys, 12,000 flights were canceled. 12,000 flights were canceled around the United States of America. Right? At the end of the day, the turnpike was closed. It's crazy snowstorm. The, same, the, the furniture way. expo. The same way it works. Starts One second. Works this way. One second. Way One second. One second. No. Let's hear the punchline. It's not even the punchline yet. One second. I just you have to hear the punchline to the whole story. I didn't. I didn't say it. I didn't hit the punchline. The furniture expo failed. At the end of the day, that's one half of the story. Look, it failed, but that's not the best part. The best part of it is the day that it was rescheduled to in March was the morning of the expo. This guy, Duvi Honig, learns Daf Yomi. He opens up the Daf Yomi of that day. It was Masechet Sukkah Daf Nun Bet. And over there, the Gemara talks about how there was a shul in Alexandria where you sat in the shul based on your profession. That's the Gemara says. Gemara says, in this shul, the goldsmith sat with the goldsmiths, the silversmith sat with this, blacksmith sat there, coppersmith sat there, the weavers sat there. That's what they would do. The cash advance people would sit in the back, outside in the hallway maybe, right? But that's what happened. What was the reason why it was like that? The Gemara says that the Aniim came, they would find their craft, find what they were good at, and that's how they got Panasa. So the guy's reading this and saying, one second, Hold on one second. Not only did Hashem make it that my thing was not on February 4th and 5th in a snowstorm, but He actually picked the right day because my Parnassah Expo is that. Where people come, find their craft, find their comfort, and get a job. That was the Dafyomi of that day. That's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. The guy actually went on the day of the thing, he printed it up, and he put it up. There's nothing in this world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does. Like we said, Rabot Mahshavot believe Ish. Vatsat Rabot Mahshavot Rabot Mahshavot believe Ish. Vatsat Hashem Hitakum. Men complained, like we said, how Gezerah emet, the Gezerah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is meant to happen. It is no coincidence that Yosef HaTzadik met up with Gabriel. Hashem needed him too. 
He needed him to meet up with Gabriel because if he would not meet up with Gabriel, history would never have happened. Yosef would have never got sold. The Jews would have never ended up in Egypt. We, have never, we would never end up being brought out of Mitzrayim with Yetziat Mitzrayim to Har Sinai. All that wouldn't have happened. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him to go. Go find the brothers. At the same time, he sent Gabriel to find him and guide him. Why? Because this is all part of the master plan. There are no coincidences, like we said. There are no ironies in who we are. At the end of the day, as a Jew, we believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in control. Everything he does is part of the plan. And we are just along for the ride, waiting to see how it's there for our benefit. Wonderful week. Our question, did the brothers get